Oh, the countdown. The final countdown. Wow, you're so talented, Foxy. <laughs> I got so many skills. <laughs> People know who's on the other side of this countdown. I know they're excited because I am. <laughs> the great Monica McNutt. This is debatable. I'm Dominique. That's our favorite guest. Take that, David Dennis Jr. Monica <laughs> McNutt. What's up? <laughs> Yes, David Dennis Jr. and Warriors Nation, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be a fun one. This is not going to be a fun one. We're going to have to eat some crow, I believe. Well, I don't know. I picked the Warriors before, but then I switched my pick. I don't know if anybody keeps track of pick switching, but it happened. But what else happened? Steph Curry happened today. Alabaster, what you got for us? Okay, so so Vegas has opinions. Vegas now has the Warriors as the favorites to win win the Western Conference. After what you saw from Stephen Curry today, dropping another 50-piece, do you view the Warriors as the favorites to win the Western Conference? Monica? Well, we have to be honest. I think before the series started, just to put it out there, Monica picked against the Warriors, which I did last year. And as we all know, Steph Curry mocked me and Kendrick Perkins with the three goggles after they won the championship. And I was too scared to pick against them. And I thought that their veteran savvy was going to get it done. And then Monica convinced me that these young kings was going to get it done. And they looked like they were going to do it. And then they fell apart. (laughs) So when you look at the West now, it does feel like there is a path for the Warriors. I'm I'm a little nervous about being prisoner of the moment because they look really good in this mm-hmm. situation. And the Kings like kind of threw up on themselves a little bit towards the end of the game. I don't want to be prisoner of a moment, but I certainly could see them. I don't know if I would consider them the favorites after what we saw Denver do to the Suns. Uh, and even getting past AD and yes, AD and the Lakers is going to be tough for the Warriors. I know we want to do this LeBron versus Steph matchup, but AD is the key to that series. So I've, I've set it all up. I have not picked a side. I'm threading the coward's needle, as we call it on this show. And I'm going to wait for <laughs> Monica to pick and use her rationale to disagree, because obviously she's going to be wrong, just like she was. What is Warriors series? <laughs> Listen, Warriors Twitter is my favorite fan base. Not at all, but whatever. It's uh, fine. Um, here's, here's the whole truth, though. Actually, going into the series, I did not pick against the Warriors. I actually just said that I thought it was going to be a lot tougher than the perception. 2 I was like, oh, let's go. It's over. The Warriors are done. <laughs> I leaned in. Uh, that was a little bit irrational and very yeah. prisoner of the moment. Okay. Having said all that, for real, you look at the rest of the West and go, who's going to stop them? And I think... Steve Kerr said something post-game after they clinched versus the Kings that I kind of saw evolving in the series and didn't want to acknowledge because my picks are already out there. Yeah. But this is not the same team that was terrible on the road and home over the course of the regular season. Like, Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton the second make that a very different unit. And through each game of this series, outside of game six where they just looked kind of goofy, um, you could see this team getting better. And it was definitely giving me flashbacks on Boston game six last year and a team mm. that won the championship, right? A team that both of us flat out picked against and ultimately yeah. went on to win. And so I think just strictly with the Lakers, I'm not sure how the Lakers defend the spacing that we saw tonight. Is Steph going to have three games of 50? Probably not. But is he going to shoot close to 50%, if not better, and be a terror for sure, right? Um I I can't quite trust AD. I do think he is a key to this series, 
but I can't trust him game to game. Yeah. Um, I'm even willing to go wash on role players, but then it comes down to the stars that I trust. Right. And Steph is looking more and more like Trustworthy. him, King him. <laughs> it does look like it. So, um, I mean, I guess I'm assuming they're going to put Vanderbilt on Steph, which will be a better defensive matchup than they saw, uh, or than Steph saw this first in this Warrior series. Because, like, at times when he had, uh, um, he had. Fox Murray, on him. He had Fox, Fox on him. Mitchell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mitchell seemed to do some good things, but I don't know. It just didn't seem like somebody like Vanderbilt is in the league for his defense. <laughs> it feels like a different thing. And he's a longer, like rangy wing, but I mean, he's not going to stop Steph. So that's absurd, but he might be able to give him a little bit. Well, of help. I mean, it comes yeah. down, uh, it comes down to me to like Sabonis. Sabonis had to do <laughs> what we expect AD to do. And Sabonis wasn't doing it. If, AD can do that and continue to protect the rim the way that he was, because that's what we saw. We saw a lot of this from Steph too, is the two, the, like the two sides of his offensive threat is like that finger roll that he mm-hmm. does, which is all built off the fact that you can't give him any air to shoot. Mm-hmm. So if you can play him aggressively at the three point line and run him off and you still mm-hmm. have a rim, per- somebody there to protect the rim, that seems like a recipe to slow them down. But you mentioned it. It's about the role players in, I guess the secondary stars, for the Warriors and Clay, where you at? Like as good as they were this game, I had I haven't seen Clay much this series. I haven't seen Clay much since those injuries. And Wiggins hasn't risen to the level that we saw Wiggins in the finals uh, last year. So like, if they are going to get past the Lakers, which they certainly can, we're gonna need some of them people to show up. Wiggins gonna have to rise to that level he was at last year, offensively at least. Or Clay gonna have to reach back in the time machine for a little bit because <laughs> because Looney Looney's fantastic, but he ain't going to be enough. So here's the thing. And Steve Kerr, it, unsolicited, basically said, yeah, everybody talk about Clay not shooting the ball well in game seven, but I thought he played terrific defense. Shout out to Steve Kerr. Have your guys back. Um, yeah. Here's the, the key to this to me is Wiggins because Wiggins is versatile enough as a defender, right? Between the him and Draymond Green, I think Kevon Looney is terrific. Kevon Looney, in my mind, is a better Xavier Tillman, which to me, AD still should have the advantage over, but Kevon Looney on the offensive glass in particular for the Warriors is just a nightmare. Wiggins to me is probably the biggest outlier because if you had to go Batman Robin, you know who it is for the Lakers. You know who Batman is for the Warriors. The Robin role is sort of around Robin. See what I did there? (laughs) Um, but, But all things considered, I just think in totality, their defense is a nightmare or their offense is a nightmare to guard. Um, While I do like the team that is assembled around LeBron now, Austin Reeves, like, this this, this is it? Like, you know what I mean? I think this is, I do think this one goes seven, but I give the nod slightly to the Warriors. This is going to be a great series. I do give it to the Warriors. And then when we talk big picture, I think the Nuggets looked great. I think the Nug- I think the Warriors probably can defend the Nuggets to a degree. So the you fa- the Nuggets then face the same question in terms of slowing this Warriors offense. Austin if, Reeves or, is or better Phoenix, than Phoenix or Phoenix. Hold on, or Phoenix. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, slow down. Austin Reeves is better than Jordan Poole, who like I don't know why I've been on this Jordan Poole rip fest since he signed that contract. But I just remember, and I bring this up every time. Last year in the playoffs, Jordan Poole was unplayable, and then they paid him. And now this year in the playoffs, it appears that he is going to be unplayable again. 
So I don't get it. I don't get the the allure of Jordan Poole. It's not working out. I don't know who's going to step up for them. And I, somebody might, though. That's the thing is I can't say that yeah. they won't because they seem to all the time. Alabaster, what you got? So I just want to do a tiny bit of cleanup that Clay was actually pretty good until game seven. He had a bad game mm-hmm. seven, but he, he shot the ball pretty well for a lot of the series. And <sighs> it's not that big of a time machine it. because when Steph Curry was out, he had like a career hot streak for a significant portion of this year where he was bombing in threes and raising those averages. So it's very possible that that could resume in the next round against the Lakers. Are you using stats to disagree with my gut? <laughs> I will not stand for that. The gut says Clay ain't back, so Clay ain't back, no matter what your numbers say. That, what? What's that you say, gut? Yeah? Yeah, we agree? Yes. <laughs> My intestines are sure that Clay Thompson is not back. He wasn't back in this game seven. And I mean, you might be right. Maybe he is productive, but I need to find a way to argue that the Lakers are going to beat them because I need the Lakers to beat them because I can't listen to Warriors well- fans tell me I'm wrong again. Well, here's, I think, and this is, this is what I was trying to explain in an interaction, a very rational way on an irrational space that like these picks are not by wide margins, right? I can make the case for either team to be able to win. I think LeBron understands now his role in terms of when he has to put the foot on the gas as a score and when he has to facilitate, right? There's a world in which Dennis Schroeder, like D'Angelo Russell are playing, particular Schroeder is locked in on the defensive side of the ball and and is a nightmare in terms of bothering the Warriors. This is a team that we've seen that does not like physicality. The Lakers now have enough bodies led by Vanderbilt in terms of that defensive effort that they can jump that thing up and they still have the advantage in the paint, right? All you need is a Draymond couple technicals to be tossed, right? Like it's the Lakers formula. And then you got LeBron James on that side. And then very easily you counter what you just saw from the Warriors, an offense that moves, that's hard to defend, Kevon Looney being a nightmare on the glass, and Andrew Wiggins, who I still think is still playing back to that finals level that we saw last year. Mind you, this is his first real action this year, essentially, right? Like he's played less than 20 games this season. So you can make the case easily on both sides. I don't know what Vegas has in terms of the margins. I just, it feels like this one's going to go seven. And while both of these teams' leaders have experienced game sevens, big stages in the playoffs, it just feels like here come the Warriors again. I have no idea how this series is going to go. I mean, I, let's be honest. Nobody knows anything about the playoffs this year. Certainly not anything about the, this series, in large part because the teams that we watch in the regular season, none of them are the same. Like, this the Warriors true. are a different team. The Lakers are a different team. All these teams, except for the Nuggets, the only team that feels like mm-hmm. they're somewhat similar to what they have been when they're healthy over the past several years. And the Suns, they don't even know who they are yet. They got they got KD and they still trying to figure 14 it out. 14 games. <laughs> 14 <laughs> games with KD. They're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Alabasta? Monica, so let's talk about the Lakers side of this for one second. Okay. Yeah, if they are to have a not chance. Even pretend like it's a question for both of us. Okay. Well, <laughs> if they are to have a chance, LeBron shot under 20% from three in the first series. He didn't have a ton of lift going through traffic to the basket. Do we need Anthony Davis to be the Batman on that team? Like officially now the torch being passed that he has to carry them offensively as well as defensively for them to have a chance. Hmm. I think that's their best chance. I'm still not ready to put LeBron away though, but I would agree. That's their best chance. AD was the key to the series for me versus the Grizzlies. And when he had his best games, typically they did win. I just think for whatever reason, 
we haven't been able to get that mentality or performance consistently from AD. And I'm not sure, like, it's not going to be easy versus the Lakers. Between Draymond bothering him, between Kevin, Kevin Looney's size bothering him, and whatever else Steve Kerr cooks up, like, he's got to be all in in terms of his mentality there. If that happens, if if Anthony Davis is putting up monster double-doubles across the way this series for all whatever four games they got to win, then that's the formula for the Lakers. I just, I have less faith in that as opposed to Steph. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. And yeah, I think AD is definitely the Batman, even though you didn't want to know how I felt about this question. <laughs> that is how I feel. I do have a question for you, Dominique. <laughs> After extensive research, where do you put Steph Curry on your all-time point guard rankings? Mm, okay, thank you. I appreciate that you respect my deep uh, basketball <laughs> historian knowledge. Um, I would put him number one, except I'm saying Magic Johnson doesn't count. Uh, explain, tell me more. I mean, I feel like Steph Curry is uh, more of a – I mean, you put him in there with Isaiah, obviously, uh, Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the type of uh, – Steve Nash. I think Steve Nash and Steph Curry probably have more similar playing styles than anybody else. But I don't know. I feel like when we talk about the game and, and the way that it was when uh, – it feels to me like Magic Johnson is a lot more of an aberration than he is uh, – a point guard like he was a okay. special player it's a lot like talking about comparing Shaq to Giannis which yeah they kind of the same but they not really so I mean I it, it depends on I guess what kind of preference you have and I would rather have somebody who can shoot the lights out of the gym which is Steph okay. Curry and like the the ability to control the game and passing and getting everybody involved in size and all the things that magic has are hugely valuable but the way the game is played in the modern era, I don't think we're going backwards in time. I'd rather have a smaller guy who can shoot the lights out. Yeah. You know what? And this may be me thinking about basketball when we first learned to play in elementary school. It took me the longest time to actually wrap my mind around stuff as a true point guard. Like, I just, for whatever reason, I thought of him as a shooting guard, obviously, because he's a shooter, right? Like, right. and they would be like, well, who's the, who's the star? Who's the point guard on that team? And I'm like, oh, good point by default. But like, it's not a traditional offense. What he's been obviously been, what he's obviously been able to do to sort of change the game. Um, I think that's fair. We're going to be debating this for a long, long time. Yeah. And I, it continues to go back to errors and what you think is effective. But I, I would never knock anybody that makes an argument for Steph as number one. You can't make me choose Alabaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take as, I just respect, I respect the nuanced historical discussion. So no <laughs> trust um, Let's pivot to uh, someone who I think we can all agree is the greatest playoff player of all time, Jimmy Butler. Just kidding. Um, but how do you see the Heat Knicks uh, series playing out now that Jimmy Buckets has a sprained ankle? All right. So, look, I was at the Garden. It was lit. It was incredible, actually. It's quite the uh, scene. I don't know why. The game was not a hand lay. Go at Jimmy. Put him in pick and roll. He had a busted ankle. He didn't get off the floor, which I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Um, Jimmy's a dude that's cut from a different cloth. And this series will play game two on Tuesday, and then game three isn't until Saturday. So there's a lot of time built in for him to deal with that ankle. Would the Heat consider resting him since they already split in New York anyway? That would seem logical, but I don't think that applies to Jimmy Butler. So I think the bigger thing here is Julius Randle getting back from his ankle sprain for the Knicks. Because whether Jimmy Butler plays on Tuesday or not, he's going to be a nightmare at some other point in this series besides game one. I mean, this game felt like it was decided by the shooting ability 
of the heat like they got a lot of open shots in part because jimmy butler is compromising their defense and they're doubling jimmy like in the third quarter they started doubling jimmy some and everybody's getting open shots and they're hitting them and it's a bunch of guys who names you know only because we saw the heat in the playoffs last year <laughs> like these are not big name people that you feel like you can rely on I mean, with the exception of Kyle Lowry waking up out of nowhere and all of a sudden being a heavy-duty contributor. But a lot of guys gave Vincent, uh, Max Struess, mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson, a, a bunch of guys who may be bottom-of-the-rotation guys elsewhere or out of the rotation in certain places. He cultured are, gems. Yeah, that's it. That's what you could, That's all you could say. They are <laughs> hitting big shots, wide open sometimes, sometimes contested. But they're hitting big shots, and that's what it came down towards the end of that last series. Well, I guess it was just Jimmy; it was unstoppable. But in this series, it felt like the three point three point shooting was the difference in this game. Kevin Love with big outlet passes. There were those type of plays that I don't know that you can count on, but I'm not gonna say you can't give them the way the Heat have been playing the last several years in the playoffs. Well, I mean, they're shooting 45 percent the Heat from three coming into this, which is a little bit of an outlier on the season. They were like 27th on three-point shooting. Now, after All-Star break, they did shoot 37%. To your point about threes, though, the Knicks literally shot 20% from the three-point line. Like, that is terrible. We argued post-game about being baited into some of those shots. Should they have taken different opportunities? The consensus in the post-game was those are shots that they practice. They're shots that they just need to hit and that they got to be in rhythm. When Obi Toppin leads the way in three-point shooting, 4 of 11 – I don't know about that, but I think the Knicks, to me, they get Jimmy or Julius back. They hit some of those shots. We're looking at a different game, but the Heat, they just showed up as veterans. Kyle Lowry got credited with four blocks in this ballgame and one steal, basically because he kept stripping the ball from R.J. Barrett. Like, they just made really savvy veteran plays down the stretch, and you saw that shine through. That sounds like a riddle. Like, uh, how does Kyle Lowry get four blocks and a steal without jumping? Like, I don't, I don't know. That. I literally I, was like, they're counting these as blocks? Like, this is not a block. Like, what is happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so a lot of times I feel like when we, when we default to the three-point shooting stat, some of that is meant to say, like, the outcome of the game is not real. You know, like, people are like, well, it's random. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hit their shots. But when you watch this game, the shots that the Heat were getting – were great shots. Like they were, yeah, they were not contested. And it's because they're compromising the defense. So there's, and I, I mean, the Knicks were getting some good open shots too with not as good shooters. But if the Heat can continue to create these type of shots, it's hard to imagine that And they have the confidence. They did this on the road, game mm-hmm. one in MSG. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to imagine a scenario unless they, unless Jimmy is compromised it's hard to imagine a scenario where they aren't going to shoot well even though they shot poorly all season long like the people are taking shots while I was kind of being facetious and talking about them as like not big name guys these guys are shooters like Duncan Duncan Robinson is a shooter like Mm -hmm. Gabe Vincent and Max Struess like they are capable shooters Kyle Lowry they are shooters these aren't people who are just like I don't know like Obi Toppin who like sometimes sometimes (laughs) he's a shooter from our earlier conversation control all P, is that copy? Or C, Control-Alt-C, copy and paste. This Heat team is essentially not the Heat team that you saw over the course of the regular season in terms of this rotation. Oladipo and Hero both gone. Like, get well soon, Vic. We hate to see it. But, like, this is a very different rotation. Jimmy, obviously, is a different person, quite frankly, when we hit the postseason. So this is, like, not the same team. So (laughs) I just – 
this series to me, the Knicks should win because of their depth. Um, but it's, if, if, it, if that doesn't happen, Jimmy goes off and Kyle has Kyle Lowry of Raptors championship, whatever year that was, like, would you be shocked? Is it okay to say, I don't know about every series? I don't know. Like, I don't. Honestly, I don't know. I'll pick one for you to make you happy. But, like, I don't know who's going to win in the Lakers in Golden State. Like, I can see it happening both ways. I don't know who's going to win in this series. Right now, the Heat are up. So, yeah, maybe the Heat going to win. Let's pick them. Let's go with the Heat. The 72%. Heat what is it, like, 72% of the time game one wins? I'm going go with the 27% or whatever the math is, percent the other time. The uh, your uh, copy paste comment like that is the story of this year. That is the story of this year. It's like none of the teams are who we thought they were. They're mm-hmm. like brand new teams, so it's impossible to think of the Heat as an eighth seed when their best player mm-hmm. was coasting all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they aren't an eighth seed. We're treating them They're like not that. Seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Nope. I don't know what's going on. Here we are. Basketball's fun though. So much fun. How was the draft? We're talking about that. I don't have to talk about that, do I? It was fine. You don't have to talk about it. it was, I mean, it, it happened. It was a, <laughs> it was a business meeting that that somehow people got went to and got drunk. Like, that's all it is. It's a big old big business meeting. Like I want that guy. People get drunk and have fun at anything these days. It Fair enough. Interesting now. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's pivot to a very high level series in the West. Um, Nuggets are up one one zero on the Suns. Do they seem clearly better to you? <sighs> Are we playing the KD sound? Because I loved that sound. The Nuggets? Surprised? Am, am I surprised about the Nuggets? Hell no. They're number one seed for a reason. They got a two-time MVP. They got a deep team. No, I'm not surprised. They can go off and win games. So uh, <clears throat> we got our work cut out for us. We're looking forward to game two, though. I... Love that. First of all, I can hear PG County when he gave that answer. So shout out to PG County. Like, he's very much like, we good, though. It's cool. Um, But also, finally, somebody is willing to give the Nuggets the respect that they deserve. Now, are they clearly better than the Suns? I'm not ready to go there, but they're clearly deeper than the Suns. Aaron Gordon walking into threes. Michael Porter Jr. giving you shimmy into the paint spin moves. Like, huh? They played an outstanding game. But it's the first game of a very long series. And more than anything, the depth does concern you for the Sun. The talent, Book and KD have been rolling. The, the talent's there. The depth is what's going to be problematic. This is another series where the three-point shooting differential was huge, or another game where the three-point shooting differential was huge. And, I mean, just the Suns don't shoot a lot of threes. We talked about that last series. We talked about that with the Suns. It's going to, like – make it tough for them because their best two players are mid-range monsters. And the big story mm-hmm. of this is something that I'm sure everyone already knows. It's about the depth. You brought it up. I was yep. watching uh, that the second quarter of that game. I just rewatched that before I got on here. And the Suns were up one at the start of the second quarter. Jokic and Murray were on the bench. When yes. they came back in, the Nuggets were up eight. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is the story of it. Right there. They can go to the bench and still be productive. And we know, like, historically, the non-Jokic minutes have been bad for the Nuggets, but it don't seem like a problem right now. Like, Bruce Brown's making contributions. Uh, like you mentioned, Gordon is hitting uh, turnaround fades on the baseline. It's like, yeah, <laughs> they're getting offensive contributions. And Murray stepped his game back up to the yes, level that we saw in the bubble, which it does, if these things are consistent, yeah, it does feel like they're better than now yeah it's great to see jamal jamal murray back for sure and i guess whatever equation we want to make up that would suggest depth does make you better like it's 
it's tough to argue. Now, the only thing, and literally we, we're coming off the heels of Game 7, and Steve Kerr's presser is like seared in my brain, and he's talking about Game 7s and playoff experience. That advantage still goes Suns, even though last year they got embarrassed by Dallas, but, but the combination of getting to the finals a couple seasons ago, Kevin Durant's experience, obviously, like, you do wonder, is that going to carry them versus a team that has more depth, has been playing together longer, they've got continuity, they've got rhythm, they look great versus the T-Wolves. It's just going to be a clash of ideologies and, quite honestly, like, facts in terms of the Nuggets. I mean, if it comes down to a game seven, a close, a close game seven, I think over Murray and Jokic, you probably like either uh, Booker or mm-hmm. KD to hit those big clutch shots. But it kind of feels like it may not come to like I didn't even yeah. mention KCP, who's like another like a championship level role player who is like, I don't know, deeper on the rotation. He, w- he would start for the Suns. Probably for sure. And get, sure. 30, get 38 minutes a game. And he's not even cl- close to that right now. So it's a it's a tough situation for them to to overcome, given how much they played last series, how old they are, um, mm-hmm. how how injury. What, yeah. What value um, CP3 offers at this point on either end of the floor, aside from like shoulder checking people every now and then. <laughs> that I'm um, not I don't. Game ones are funny. I don't want to yeah. get too carried away on that one. But you could see the depth thing percolating when it came to the Nuggets all year long. But again, like, we came into this playoffs. All the top seeds were the teams that were not favored by Vegas, by most folks that consume the NBA. Like, you know what I mean? And so here we are. That has partly come – well, it has, in fact, come to fruition with your two and three being out and your one being – two, three, and four being out and your one being left. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. The answers to all the questions today are, I don't know. We got to see. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just sit back and enjoy. You don't you guys get mad when we spoil television shows? So why you want me to spoil this series for you? I know who's gonna win, but I'm not gonna tell you. But I want you to enjoy it with the rest there of it us. Is. I like that logic. Uh, what's next, Alabaster? Oh. Dominique, I just need to ask you as a basketball historian, oh. has a has an NBA team like the Phoenix Suns ever won a title with uh, three and a half professional basketball players on their <laughs> roster? <laughs> I will not. Well, Kevin Durant counts as two professional basketball players, so they got more than three and a half. Mm, I like that, man. Take that. It's fair. Um, let's move on to a new segment. New game. Oh, Call man. this one Blow It Up or Run It Back. I'm going to ask you about some teams. We've talked about a lot of winners. We've talked about a lot of uh, people still in the playoffs. Now we're going to talk about some losing teams. The first one, the Memphis Grizzlies. They have a young core. Should the Memphis Grizzlies blow it up, maybe not keep all three of them, or run it back with that core? Who's three? This is stressful. Y'all gonna leave my little cousins and them alone. (laughs) Bane, (laughs) Triple J, and and Ja. Uh. Oh, those three? Those yeah, three should yeah, stay. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if we were also including Dylan Brooks in a, in a major piece of the equation. For Unrestricted free agent Dylan Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I still bang with Dylan Brooks and all his antics. Not all, yeah. all of us can be quiet, sportsmen, <laughs> like not messy people. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I think you keep those three. And I know, I, Foxy, literally when we had this conversation on maybe two shows that I can't remember, you, I, the last thing I thought about one night before I fell asleep is, is the Grizzlies core elevated role players? So that was great basketball acumen on your part. I don't, I still don't think they are. 
I still think Ja is an incredible star in this league. I think Jaron Jackson has tremendous upside still. And Desmond Bain, forever how for however tight his shoulders are, this dude is still a shooter, shooter, bro. Like yeah. he's still a shooter, shooter. So I think you keep this core together. Uh, I think the asterisk on keeping the core together is if you have an opportunity for a guy like Mikael Bridges, who we know they wanted after all the trade line, trade deadline stuff, and Bridges ended up in the Brooklyn Nets uh, organization. Now all signs seem to indicate that the Nets are keeping their guy and they're going to move forward. But I think if you can put a guy like that next to Ja, and there's not a ton of them out there, then fine. So right now, as I'm seeing it, there's not an available person that I think is worthy of blowing up that court. All right, I'll take the bait. I'll be the one who explores the crazy idea because I think anytime you're in the NBA, the idea of blowing it up is normally a bad one because it's, <laughs> you need a star. And when you have a star or you need a core, when you have a core, blowing up normally seems like a bad idea. But the pushback for the winning a championship with the Grizzlies is, I don't know, the team's led by the type of player, the style of play that John Morant is. That is not a historically successful model, like a high usage guard uh, who and Jazz become a better shooter. But I mean, he's not Steph Curry. He's not a shooter. He's not Dame Lillard. High Dame bar. Lillard. Come on. Give I know. Well, I guess. Bar? OK, so what bar do you want? Like I, I, when I think of John Morant, I think of him as an explosive cutter. I don't think of him as like and maybe this is just the limits of my imagination. But I don't think of him as like a well-rounded type of point guard who is as who's as threatening as a shooter as he is as a penetrator. So like I guess I put him more, and I guess it doesn't even matter because I can put him in the Dame Lillard category, which I think Dame Lillard at his best is better than Jai is right now, and it's hard to build around a player like that. So that's like one of the arguments for blowing it up. I would not suggest it. Again, I would not suggest it. The other argument is. How are you going to re- replace Dylan Brooks? Like, he's a free agent this year. If you want to keep him, then you have Dylan Brooks on your roster. If you want to let him go, you don't really don't have do the room. I mean, I mean, let's be honest about what he, pro- what he provided come on, come on. this year in the playoffs. I mean, we, we can pretend like he was an asset. But in, this year in the playoffs, he was, yeah, that was the best thing he provided. And I loved it. Trust me. It made it more entertaining and fun for me. But uh, what you said about J.J., JJJ is what you said about Triple J. He got a lot of upside. I think he's got a lot, like a lot of good upside though. Like, and I, I, and I, but I think it's being unlocked though. I feel you on upside being sometimes a backhanded compliment, but I think he's making steady progress. This is the first year, I shouldn't say first, and he missed a chunk of this year with injuries too. But like, I just think when we look at the Grizzlies, we forget they've gotten to two postseasons with solid seeds and been without somebody, a center. This year's combination of uh, Adams and Clark is a big deal in terms of this team, copy and paste, not being this team that we saw during the regular season, right? Like, I just, I think we got to slow it down just a little bit. Those three guys, what they've been able to create in terms of their identity. I will say that you're getting, if you don't start to get results soon, then you have some real questions. But I think they arrived a little bit earlier than they were supposed to. That's the the key right there. I think they want to. Yeah. They were on a rocket ship to to this point. And now they're like, after the success that they had last year, we're like, all right, now it's time to take a step. But it feels like the success they had last year was a little ahead of schedule. And maybe they're falling back down to where they're supposed to be. And with the maturity and experience, maybe in a couple more years, this core will be one of the best. So yeah, I agree ultimately that you don't blow this core up. But I mean, I think it's reasonable. I guess it's hard for me 
And I guess Alabaster can help me out on what um, John Morant's three-point shooting percentage is, but it's hard for me to imagine a, a team that looks like this winning championships. Well, maybe that's this- actually, yeah, that's the thing. He, he regressed this year to just over 30% from three um, over the course of the season. And that's the roster question. You know, is it a regular season team? They have one shot creator and he's someone who right now cannot shoot threes. The, the, y'all, they have not been healthy in the last two postseason opportunities. Yes, essentially they have one dynamic shot creator, but we saw Desmond Bain get his shots off and when he had, what do you have, 36 in one of those games in the series? So he could get shots off. Jaron Jackson Jr. is at, continuing to add to his game in that way, but so much of what they were able to do in the regular season is offensive rebounds, playing off screens from Adams and then the energy that Clark plays with. I I completely understand why we're having this conversation. I just think in this conversation, remember that you have not gotten the healthy regular season team in the postseason yet. That's nobody's fault, but that's a fact. And it seems like we're headed in a direction in the NBA that we're never going to get that for any team. Like, it seems like looking Mm -hmm. at the last several years, we're never going to get that. So maybe they'll be the lucky, healthy team one year, like the Bucks were a couple of years ago. And but I mean, I think ultimately I agree with you. You don't blow it up, but like you also could understand the argument. It'd be kind of ridiculous. It's like, all right, they have Tyus Jones and they have had success without John Morant and they could potentially try to move him for a bunch of stuff. But I mean, I think it's probably dumb because you don't move superstars in this league because they're hard to get. But yeah, I mean, the smart thing to do is you got a strong core ride it out with this core, get some vets in there that can like, I don't know, babysit them or teach them what it Basically. means to win. I don't know. See if they can get Ron Rory out of retirement. Stretch the floor. Just stretch the floor with their three-point shooting and rebound. That's all they need to do. Like you said, that's easy to find. It's well, easy to find shooters that just, they just land around in the streets. Let's just get shooters. They just hanging out anywhere. Let's go get some shooters. I, um, if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? No, It's the most valuable thing in the modern NBA, I feel like, is people who can hit shots and do other stuff too. Like if you play three D, and D, yeah, <laughs> three and D guys, or even if you don't, you're weak on defense, you can at least add some, like if you can shoot and rebound, like those combos are hard to find. They are very hard to find. Like this Kevin is- Love out here shooting and rebounding. He ain't giving you much on the defensive end, but he's shooting, rebounding, outlet passing. Like there's a value. But, you that. know what though? That's an, the Kevin Love thing is interesting. Like um, this week and all the sound, uh Kevin Love, no matter of fact, Aaron Cassidy Hubbard had the report game one of Heat versus Knicks about Kevin Love wanting to be a part of the Heat organization when he was waived in Cleveland. Don't quote me on wave. When he left Cleveland, we'll put it there, mm-hmm. right? I do wonder, do guys of that ilk look at the Memphis Grizzlies and say, I could help, we could get over the hump? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Who I mean Iguodala, he's too old. I don't know who these guys are. He won't we, be there the first time. They got that, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. They tried that with him, and he right. ain't even could, he ain't even get on a plane. He ain't <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I was trying to think of this right type of guy, and I was like, you know, who'd be perfect. Like Iggy four years ago. Nope, they tried that. That didn't work. It. All right. Oh, now I don't even need to ask you, but I'll let you read it anyway because I see what's on there. All right. Should the Bucks blow up Giannis's supporting cast? who's old and declining or run it back with the same team. Put that nail file down. You think I'm going to answer this question? (laughs) You better, you better lean forward and give me some of that basketball knowledge. I mean, they got a bunch of, they got some old guys. They got, they got some old guys. 
they got some old guys, and I think um, they're they might run into some money issues too. Yeah, is yeah, the other yeah, part yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I. I does blow it up also include coaching staffs? Oh, alabaster, moon, yeah, choose your own adventure. I like that. Choose your own adventure. Um, great books, this, those are good books. Um, also, can I just get this one joke off because it's like I still giggle about it? <laughs> My homeboy tweeted. <laughs> so, Grayson Allen really decided the euro step with zeros on the clock. And I- that thing took me out. <laughs> I had to watch the game back or watch the replay. And I was like, yo, it was really zeros on the clock when this man said. <laughs> okay. All right. Because <laughs> that thing tickles my soul. Um, all right. Oh, Grayson. Okay. Um, blow it up or run it back. It sounds like you want to say blow it up, but you're scared to say blow it up. So go ahead. I say well, let's blow, blow it up. up. I don't I mean, I blow think... it up is move on from Middleton and um, Holiday is the blow it up and, or, so or, say, or Coach Bud. I wouldn't say I'm not at blow it up, but I think you you lose one of them. Yes. Yeah. And it's probably going to be Middleton. And that sucks because mostly the last two seasons he's been navigating his way back from injuries. But like Middleton is probably the operative piece that you can let go of in terms of not paying him that money. Drew Holiday, to me, outside of this team and, you know, shout out to Coach Bud and condolences go to his family. Besides them combusting in this postseason, like Drew Holiday's been holding the Bucks down the entire season. He was an all-star this year. Like, I think for me, blow it up might be a little strong. I also don't know what Giannis's relationship is with Coach Bud, right? Like when they let go of Jason Kidd, after the fact, we got inklings that Giannis didn't necessarily love that. Fast forward, they propelled, they won a championship. If the star has a good relationship with the coaching staff, then you keep the star ha- happy, right? Um, but in terms of being able to keep all three of them together, I do think that that may have run its course. Now, Chris Middleton is not a vocal guy, but per our earlier conversation, he's got the kind of skill set that could help a Memphis, right? Like, I don't know if he's into whatever the personality of the Memphis Grizzlies squad may be, but I do yeah, think Memphis that Memphis got the money probably... for him, which I don't think they do, but that's a whole nother Well, story. so apparently Memphis' owner is like one of the top 10 riches in the league. Like, if he if he if they really want to go into the luxury tax, like, that's an option. Uh, Wendy and I were having this conversation because, oh, I, you know, Memphis is my little cousins and I need to know what's going on. But anyway. <laughs> so the uh, Drew Holiday also like said on point forward that he's considering retiring after the end of this contract. What you got? A two years left on that. So oh, that's a, wow, another. Dude. Yeah, that's another wrinkle to throw into this. So I don't know what the move is there. And Drew Holiday is a, a somewhat limited player, even though he's a, a fan favorite. He's not an offensive uh, force. He's not like a I don't know. He He's a defensive guy who really got the business given to him by Jimmy Butler in the last round on the yes, defensive. That was end. a team effort though, in terms okay. of getting their business handled to them, but go ahead. Oh, okay. So uh, I don't know. I lean towards if I guess it, it always depends on what's available to you, but mm-hmm. Middleton is trying to stay healthy, which doesn't seem to be consistent Drew holidays seems to be uh, kind of a, a one-sided player, Coach Bud. And to your point about Giannis, he has some I – mean, Giannis isn't the type of guy that's going to go at people's necks, but he has some comments in the post-game press conference that were seemed to suggest that he was second-guessing some of the decisions that Bud made because he had questions about why we didn't change certain things. He said he didn't know. Did you want to be on Jimmy Butler? Did you want to guard Jimmy Butler? I think he suggested that he wouldn't have mind trying to do that. There's some sort of like – 
For Giannis, some subtle shade, whereas normally a, a player like Giannis would say something to the effect of, uh, we trust our plan, something mm-hmm. like that. So I, <laughs> I, I suspect that Giannis might be open to some conversations about some decisions being made there. But the hard thing with this, this blow it up thing is when we have this conversation around football teams, blow it up means give away all your good players and get some draft picks and then rebuild in the draft. The yep. NBA don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Don't work like that. You got to get a star. They're hard mm-hmm. to get stars. Many teams go decades without having a real legitimate star. So when you got one or two, blowing it up sounds ridiculous. But I guess mm-hmm. in this case, you want to blow it up around Giannis, and then you well, still got to get somebody else. The other reality of that is when you look at this roster, like the Crowder shining didn't work out. Lopez is not like a spring chicken in terms mm-hmm. of this league. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, Grayson he's a Allen, winter chicken. <laughs> Grayson <laughs> Allen might still be cheap and Javon Carter probably is still cheap in terms of what fits your salary cap numbers. Well, like there's not, it's going to be one of those big three and obviously it's not going to be honest. So do you write it out? If you think drew holiday now, mind you drew holiday, his wife, Lauren has an incredible story. They've dealt with some real life stuff in terms of her battling a brain tumor and the whole bit. So like his perspective on retiring is probably different than the average guy. So do you write it out and let that happen? Do you let, do you not resign or bring back Chris Middleton? But like, I'm with you, the the blow it up notion, you're not really blowing it up because you have Giannis. And as long as Giannis still wants to stay, now, basketball hoops conspiracy theories, does Giannis actually stay? Like, now that becomes a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the, the idea of blowing it up in the NBA, it means that you're trading your guys to get somebody else, like around Giannis, you know? Mm-hmm. Because the draft picks just are not reliably, like, are not reliable contributors. Like, you don't, you can't trust a draft no matter how many picks you get you can't trust them to come in and give you something that's why whenever lebron lands somewhere all your picks are getting thrown away because he needs your pieces right now so mm-hmm. uh, the question then becomes who wants these players or are there free agents on the horizon that you could be interested in uh that you could free up the cash space to bring in this coming year or the following year and that's like so unlikely because these stars don't make it a free agency they sign extensions then they force trades and so do you have the assets to trade? I think they already gave up a bunch of their first round picks. I think that it kind of feels like they're locked in. <laughs> it kind of feels like yeah. they're locked in with yeah. these old guys. Yeah, it, it, it does. And it's I, not I a bad like- situation. I mean, they're they competitive team. They could be in this spot again next year. And maybe Giannis will go back to the Giannis he was against the Suns. That's the thing that is mind-blowing is it felt like they took a step. It felt like they became, they like graduated to this next level of team when they won that championship. And now they back to the same team that we thought they were before, where Giannis don't want to shoot free throws and they don't know how to close and Bud don't make the right decisions. Like it, it, it was a back to the future situation or <laughs> back to the past, whatever. Um, well, two things on the heels of that though. I think Miami is just that spectacular, right? Like Coach Spo, Jimmy, they're just that spectacular. And like in totality, again, like it's another reason why you got to appreciate an organization like the Warriors. As, as easy as they are to hate in terms of a dynasty, but like sustaining this greatness, it's it literally nobody's been able to do it the way that they have, right? So it's amazing. It's and oof. then Steph doing it while being petty, yelling, they can't finish into the camera and doing and pantomiming light the beam. I love all of that. That's so much and fun. and chewing on that mouthpiece like oh. it's handy. Oh. <laughs> Dude. Just had it hanging out off the inbound in the biggest moment oh, of the game. Hey, game shoot. seven, casual. Oh. Love it. Also hate it. Yeah, hate <laughs> it, but love it.
Uh, you guys aren't salty at all. All right, last one. <laughs> Should the Clippers blow up the tandem of Kawhi and Paul George or I mean, run it back with what they've got? God Carson, already not- blew it up for them. They've been blown up. This one is sticky for me. That's what I was going to tell you to put on your uh, asso- Players Association president okay. hat. Because, like, I feel for Kawhi. Yeah. I, I genuinely do. Like, and so, again, blow it up around him and he doesn't actually play anymore, but he's still on your books. Like, ugh. There's, so, <laughs> there is no market for him. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe maybe somebody would just want to pick him up for a couple of games. But, I mean, his, his salary is such that there's his, no market. Yeah. yeah it's hard to have a, a market for a guy who is going to load manage all season and then still not be able to play throughout the playoffs. Uh, it's a tough situation. And with Paul George, seems like a good, a really great asset for a team. So I guess that, that would be the blow it up question is you would blow it up and rebuild around Kawhi because you're not going to be able to move Kawhi. You can't you move might, yeah, you might but be able to You're moving Paul around George. Kawhi's money, not actual talent, yeah. though, because you don't know what you're going to get. Now, they got a great coach and a deep roster and should be a championship contender. This is one of those situations. They, they knew what it was when they signed up. Like, they knew what they were getting. They took this gamble and this risk, and it backfired. It sucks, but that's what happens in sports sometimes. And now they got to figure out how to navigate the next couple of years while paying somebody who we can't. And opening a brand new arena. Gonna be empty in there. Steve Ballmer <laughs> gonna be out there having a God, they're stuck in little brother territory forever. Uh-huh. Although I really do like the pieces they got on that squad. I think Terrence yeah. Mann, very bright future in this league. Uh, what's my guy that was in Toronto with Kawhi and one? I can't call his name right now, but he's also on that roster. Um, yeah, him too. Uh, <laughs> and I like you said, Ty Lue's great. This one is, I, that one is so sticky. That situation yeah. is just not good. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there is no um, blow it up option because there's nobody. I, I, yeah. There's nobody who wants Kawhi. So no matter what the situation is, you're going to have to try to win around Kawhi until, um, and I, they moved all their picks and stuff. You have to win around Kawhi until his contract expires. That's just the way that it has to be and hope that, one year, his knee feels like magic. Damn, I'm boring. Okay. No, you're not boring. It's been a long I'm day. Just I'm just messing with you. I just, the Clippers are a mess. Sorry. Yeah, they are. It stinks. Alabaster, give me my check, man. I did all that. <laughs> <laughs> my check. I work for checks. Not money checks. <laughs> Blue check marks. Give me that thing. <laughs> oh, man. They didn't Vegas pick Phoenix to win it all, and that's changed so quickly. Yeah, Vegas, they just be out here taking people money. Playing they, with people. They, they know that we get excited about big names moving around and we go bet on them. That's all. Easily baited in. Yep. So who you picking? Good luck, Milwaukee. Who you picking to win the finals? Bro, I don't know. That's the magic word for this. I, I, can the Celtics be trusted? Who can be trusted? Yeah. That's it. I mean, I don't trust. Yeah, you can't trust yourself. I don't know. Put that card up, Alabaster, so I don't have to answer this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>